0: Deep Thinkers, welcome to Deeper Meaning Time. Today is episode 11, and today we're going to be talking about uh, Bob Lazar. Um, more in a full length, sort of in depth um, coverage on uh, the man. He is an, definitely an iconic man and uh, an uh, investigative filmmaker um, and producer here. Jeremy Corbell just released uh, here recently, and you can get this movie on iTunes. Um, you can get it on YouTube, uh, which is where I, uh, purchased it, and it is called Bob Lazar, uh, Area 51 and Flying Saucers, and, uh, you really need to check it out. It's, um, it's really an interesting film, um, it's, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's definitely a documentary and a documentary style, uh, it's sort of, um, maybe, maybe, uh, Cryptic and uh, and Mickey Rourke actually, um, I think I'm pro- I think I'm pronouncing that right. He is the narrator of uh, the entire movie, and it's really interesting that he that he was chosen. His his voice just it really um it's really it, the, the whole movie he and he his voice adds to it. It's sort of creepy. Um, everything about it is kind of uh, meant to meant to sort of. Scare I don't know if it's meant to scare you or not but it, it it kind of is um a little intense um and yeah mickey Rourke's voice and mickey's voice he 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 makes it really intense it's a good job that jeremy chose um mickey's voice there and mickey's an oscar nominated um and maybe award-winning actually uh, film narrator and uh he really added a good spin to uh, to the film, and I, I I think you guys would enjoy it. Um, I I enjoyed it. I watched it twice actually, um, and I paid for it, so you know I might as well watch it twice. And the thing that that is the you know the best about it is is uh, is Jeremy in his work. You know how much stuff he actually dug up, and I absolutely uh, love hearing Bob's voice and uh, I love talk, you know, hearing, t- hearing Bob talk and uh, that part alone is just so intriguing the fact that you know, he is here now you know, like 30 years later talking again in front of a camera um, about his story and about his life and it's, it's just so fascinating and Jeremy did a fantastic job of putting all this together into um you know a pretty much a full length film. And uh it's great. I think you guys should check it out, definitely. And I'm not trying to plug it. I'm not getting paid to talk about this film at all in any sort of way. Um I just it, it's just it's a part of deeper meaning time and it's a part of this uh show and, and the fact that there are large, large deeper meanings going on um beneath the surface of of what, what we're told, and, uh, and people need to start realizing that, and we need to start understanding that they are there, and that they're real, and uh, I, the thing I love about Bob is that he's just so carefree, and, uh, and I think he even says that in the film, you know, I, I really don't care what people think about my opinion, and I'm just telling you the facts, and I'm telling you the way it is. And uh, and he's right, and that's 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 what we need. You know, we need more of the facts and the truth. And uh, I think Bob delivers it. And this movie really it, it hit home for me. Um, I, I wasn't really firm on my belief um, that Bob's story was true, but I I definitely think Bob's story is true. <laughs> and I'm still kind of sound. I still sound a little skeptical, don't I? But uh, it's. I, I do, I do, I I think Bob's story is true, and it's fascinating, um, needless to say, but, uh, so I'm going to be talking about the film and sort of a review, uh, perspective, uh, with this episode, um, and but I wanted to touch on um, something else too, and another thing I'm not really trying to plug. It's just you know another aspect of deeper meaning time. And I encourage you go to go check out uh, the Secure Team 10 channel, which because uh, I spent a long time of my sort of deeper learning that I did over the past few years was uh, on his channel and was learning and seeing all the different things that he had found and he had dug up on the internet, and uh, they were. They're just intriguing to me, and uh, so I, I, you know, Tyler and his channel uh, really did a lot um, to. And he really did a lot to to open up my mind, I guess, uh, to a whole other world of sort of the UFO topic, and, and it's so bizarre, and and whether or not you know a lot of it's true or, or false. And I don't know, I don't have a whole lot of opinion about, uh, you know, the whole UFO topic and UFO sightings and things like that. But Tyler does deliver a lot better content than just UFO sightings. And um, so one of the things he had done recently was an interview, and, and an actual interview with Bob Lazar and with Jeremy. And it was incredible to see and to hear the fact, you know, just hear that Bob was there and to know that Bob actually got on with You know, this little, this channel, I mean, he's not little anymore, you know, he's got almost two million subscribers, but he is, he is, you know, the, the, um, Tyler is what is sort of the, the ground of the normal people, you know, the 99 percenters, the, uh, the people that, um, are just, you know, sort of using their phones to gain information and to get online and, and to get, you know, watch YouTube videos, things like that, and, um, and, and Tyler delivers you know he delivers a great channel and so to have to have someone like Bob Lazar on was was just incredible for him and for his, for his channel and it was incredible to hear Bob and it was um it was an awesome thing that Bob even got on to talk uh with Tyler you know but the fact is is that he did and um we all learned a lot from it I think I learned actually some other things that uh, Jeremy didn't even bring up in the film that uh, Bob was talking about there was a slight little tidbit um, uh, in the film but uh, nothing was really touched on it but Bob actually touched a little more and I so I encourage you to go over to to secure team 10's channel and to check out the the, uh, video the interview it's about almost an hour long um, or maybe it is an hour long or so but it's uh, it's really good. It's really good, and um, and they talk about the film, and so that might give you a little interest into uh, into wanting to go see the film, or not not see the film, but go buy the film and, and watch it for yourself. But um, so in the interview, um, and this is just a crazy deeper meaning, you know, something that I pieced together on my own, and uh, it's things like these that I encourage people to do more of, and um, and I just had this you know this thought out, you know, as I was listening, you know, as it was going on. And, uh, and that was, and Bob said, you know, he, he's, he saw and read in a briefing, you know, about um, sort of a, an alien, an and extraterrestrial uh, body, a cadaver that was um, being autopsied on. And, and it had been opened, and so you could see the, the organs. And, uh, and Bob said in the briefing, you know, that this, this uh, creature being, whatever you want to call it, had one organ, just one, one main organ. And um, and that this organ actually did you know all of the functions of the of the body, and so that this and this right here, this alone was just astounding to me, because I started to think about you know sort of human nature and how we have um, evolved and evolved and adapted. Um, but it's weird because, you know, we, we as humans, you know, some people are being born uh, nowadays with only one kidney. Some people, you know, and the fact is that we can give one kidney away that we're born with two and, uh, and giving one away doesn't really affect you, you know, but, and we can have, you know, organ transplants, uh, that are you know, artificial organs and, and sort of in nature, maybe half artificial, um, but, uh, and sometimes, you know, just a full organ transplant from someone else but we are slowly, you know, working, science and medicine is working towards artificial, uh, organs and, you know, to be able to replace, uh, someone's organ like a kidney when they don't have a a good match. But, um, so you, you know, and there's a, there's an organ like the gallbladder, you know, it's something that some people, uh, don't, aren't, you know, born with, but which is, um, a large problem with a lot of, uh, members, you know, of society that they have to go in and have um gallbladder removal, you know, and that's a, that's a, the a thing where, you know, it causes an, infl- an inflammation and I think it hurts and something like that, but there are people that are being born without them, you know, it's a, it's a useless organ. And um so, you know, what maybe what you can already see I'm getting to is that we're slowly condensing all of these organs into, you know, maybe not necessarily one, but we're getting rid of some, you know, we're we're, we're eliminating the ones that are useless. So, the the thing to me was, is the more I sort of broke it down, I was like, okay, well, if our organs start doing that, you know, if evolution says, well, hey, you know, the liver, actually, if we split the liver, your body, you know, eventually, you know, we can split the liver in half, and the liver can actually be a kidney now, and so, uh, you know, eventually the kidney drops off, and it's just a liver and a kidney in one, and, you know, so, so on and so forth, you can see where I'm going with this, uh, but if that, you know, if something like that wasn't going to happen, uh, you know, in evolutionary terms then perhaps, you know, making and creating artificial organs, um, will, will lead eventually to, to, you know, cause if we're going to create a heart, you know, and, and, uh, and the sort of analogy or whatever I gave, uh, when I was talking about this was with my buddy, Nathan, um, I was like, you know, maybe that what they would, you know, do is that, you know, say you have a child and this child needs a, a heart transplant, you know, at an early age or something, something drastic. But to, there's no, you know, there's no good match, and we we can't give him this this transplant. But we have an artificial one, so we're like, okay, well, is it, you know, will it fit? You know, is this is this gonna work? So they're like, yeah, you know, this works. So they put it in, you know. So there's that. And then that kid goes on, you know, he grows up, and everything's normal, everything's fine. Then at the same time, you know, we could have um, another child who needs, you know, two 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 transplants or something. But uh, and and so now we have an issue where we don't have room for both of these artificial organs because they are both maybe slightly larger in size because of their you know artificial nature. So we can't pack them in this child's you know tiny chest at this moment. He's not, you know maybe he will, yeah he would grow and uh, and he would be able to fit them. But at the moment you know this isn't going to work. So let's put them into one. You know let's make this little artificial organ into into one organ with two functions. And, um, and so, you know, in my mind, this sort of trickled down to like, oh, this is a real possibility. Like human life could eventually evolve in advance to, to being, you know, a single organ, like a single organ, organism, or, well, really, I guess you'd have two organs, you know, you have your, your head and your, and your, your, your brain, I should say, I'm sorry, your brain. And then, you know, you've got this one organ that controls all the function of the, functions of the body. Like, you know, and it would just be incredible, but I, I can tell. Easily see that, easily. And so, like you know, if we talked about that and we were like, okay, you know, is this going to be, if we readied ourselves for something like that, if that is a mere real possibility, you know, we ready ourselves for that, then we we can you know uh, adapt to it and make sure that it goes safely and things work and that this is the right right route to go. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, this this was just a whole side note, but Bob brought that up in the interview uh, with Tyler, and it was really interesting to me. Um, and the fact that you know, could we possibly? And then Bob even said this was the second part. Bob even said too. He was like, you know, I wonder because these these, these creatures that um, that have these uh, spacecraft that Bob actually worked on at uh, S four, which we'll get more in depth here soon about, is uh, it were from a uh, a, uh, a solar system, a different solar system. I think I brought this up. In um, in the intro, sort of to Bob Lazar episode, but uh, they came from Zeta Reticuli is what he is what Bob claimed that he had read, in a in a briefing, and uh, and so this in, in this alone, and he was like, okay, so they're you know whatever they're this far away, and so possibly you know what they are, is is actually um, is us in the future, us uh, humans from the future. Um, beings that already existed once on Earth um, in a different age, when the Earth was uh, was stable and, and uh, not in, in the same cycle that we perhaps live in currently. You know, within this um, age of the planet and things of that nature, the climate stuff like that. Perhaps it all existed. You know, um, a long, long time ago. You know, there wasn't dinosaurs, things like that. The Earth was a lot different, maybe even. And uh, and so that you know, it's possible, I suppose. And then they. We're, we might just be missing, we might be missing some key information here about, uh, you know, the last hundred, you know, few hundred thousand years of the Earth's life, um, but perhaps there was a, a species of, of, um, of human beings that, that already existed here, uh, maybe, you know, some biped type of species that advanced and, and, and eventually um, expanded into the, the cosmos and, and left this planet because of its, its, you know, change in the planet's evolution. Um, and so they, they saw that it was coming, so they left, and uh, and eventually you know s- say they returned um, to 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 Earth to either s- reseed it, you know, sort of uh, put you know recolonize it again, or they um, or they found that there was a whole other species again of, of of humans, of some type of human species there, and so they you know brought them you know knowledge, and they brought them advanced uh, technology, and this, these types of things trickle down into. Uh, you know, the history of the, the pyramids of Giza, and um, all kinds of other things that we'll definitely be getting into here soon, but uh, sort of the whole ancient aliens um, theory, uh, ancient alien astronaut theory um, type of thing, it, it's it's a fascinating subject, so we'll definitely get into it, but, uh, you know, it alone is, is a possibility, because Bob, you know, Bob said, so, you know, what if we are, you know, from from Zeta Reticuli. What if those those are our actual types of ancestors? You know, per se, um, and they are from the future, and they're coming back to, to sort of aid us. Or, but maybe not. And um, and with that, you know, I want to bring up this quick little bit uh, that Mickey says in the in that movie in the Bob Lazar Movie. He says this little bit, um, and whether or not you know it, it's from him or from uh, Jeremy Corbell, you know, writing a Corbell, sorry, writing a you know a script or whatever. But he says. Uh, you know, perhaps man, something like this, and I'm kind of going kind to of butcher it, you know, I'm not trying to s- steal it word word for word, but he says, uh, you know, p- perhaps humankind, you know, looks to the skies for some type of alien, you know, intervention to correct, you know, sort of the woes in society. And, uh, and so, you know, everything that we discuss in ufology, everything everybody discusses, and, and uh, maybe it's all just sort of um, a part of the imagination, in a sense, um, just hoping, hoping and waiting that something will come in and, and intervene in this, this, this crazy loop of society that we are all just caught up in and can't get out of, um, I don't know, you know, it's a, it's a really far out sort of theory, but, uh, but guys, um, so I wanted to, you know, sort of let you guys know, you know, and with this, you know, I want you to, to comment, you know, on the, on the interview, if you've seen it, and, um uh, and I want you to head over to my website, or, um, and, and, yeah, head, head over to my website where I'll be posting, uh, this episode, where I post all my episodes, and leave a comment about the interview if you've watched the interview, um, if you have any thoughts about that whole, uh, Zeta Reticuli, our, um, ancient alien species from, from the future, per se, you know, um, whether or not you think it's crazy, whether you think it's true, if you have a, a similar, um, idea or you've heard similar ideas, um, yourself, you know, let me know. And, um, and so, you know, and please guys, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're about this show and you're totally, you know, interested and want to know more and, um, and you want, and you want to, you want to grow with, with my show, with this podcast, um, you know, head to. And you can support me in a number of different ways. You, know, you can support me on my website. There's a little uh, donation button where you can pledge a dollar to, uh, to support this show and to keep me going. And uh, you know, I hope to, uh, to upgrade it and to get this you know, uh, larger and more out, out into the public uh, sort of image. And I, I want people to understand um, that, that there is deeper meanings, you know, things we are missing. And, uh, and guys, you can help me grow by supporting this channel and you can help me grow especially on anchor on the anchor app and uh the anchor app is just it it is what i it's what i use it is the app i'm telling you guys and so head over there check it out and support me on there on there you can even uh, pledge a donation there and uh but you can follow me and with the anchor app you can use it to subscribe to my show but, so guys, let's get to the juicy stuff, you know, from this uh, from this film. I'm going to give you guys some details uh, out of it. And, uh, you know, I hope this isn't t- any type of, like, copyright infringement, you know. I'm not tending on this. I'm just intending for, to, to get to get a deeper detail um, on Bob Lazar to you guys, um, to you guys that are listeners, you know, who maybe don't understand or know anything about Bob Lazar. Um, you know, who he is, what he's done, what he's worked on. Um, and if you are, you know, then you'll be interested in hearing some new information that maybe, um, you haven't heard before. And, uh, and something that I, um, that kind of upsets me is that I can't find anywhere online, uh, a timeline, basically, of Bob Lazar's life, you know, how things really worked out in order from sort of start to finish, you know? And um, so I'm gonna try to give you guys a gist of that um, using um, some some information that I pulled out of uh, this movie, which uh, which I definitely I'm telling you guys you need to go watch it. Um, But uh, you know there was a lot of of juicy juicy information. (laughs) So I'm gonna get into uh, into this here, and uh, so I'm gonna start with Bob's childhood. And, um, and, and Jeremy has on his show, his, um, on his show, on his movie, uh, his mom, Bob's mom, her name's, uh, Phyllis, uh, Tucker, I think. And, uh, and she talks about Bob when he was a little boy and, uh, that he, when he was, you know, he was really young and there was, that he had all kinds of things from, uh, from little chemistry sets that he would, you know, he would play with. And, uh, and we're talking, I, maybe even before high school, he, uh, was crazy creating, um, jet motors and, and jet engines, uh, sort of in his, in his parents' garage. And, um, and I think in, in high school, I think his mom was saying, um, that she, in the middle of the, in like 6 a.m. in the morning, you know, Bob was outside and was actually testing his, you know, jet-powered bike and, uh, and yeah, Bob, you know, Bob has made all kinds of jet engines, and if you, if you go watch this movie, you'll see tons of examples, um, and, uh, and Bob has, you know, he, he has from a kid been so, uh, interested, and even says this, you know, he's been so interested at, from a kid in science, all kinds of science things, um, he, he always has been interested, and that is, that is a pivotal point in proving Bob's case, you know, he's, this is, has, this is, and has been his life forever, you know, and, um, so, but Bob, when he was young, you know, his mom, yeah, she talked about, um, she talked about him doing that, and, uh, and she, she even says, you know, like, you know, she, she, she wants Bob to get, you know, sort of a vindication out of this, because it, you know, it's his life, you know, he, he deserves to have, you know, sort of the truth, and um, and so so it sounds like you know his, his mom is in full support of him, and uh, he has friends. Um, a friend that was on there, uh, Mario, and um, <clears throat> and so they and I'll talk about Mario here in just a second. But uh, you know, so so Bob, you know, he's a child. He's he's playing with all this chemistry stuff. He's 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 growing up to be sort of a geek and a science nerd, and um, and he you know he lives in Florida with his mom, and uh, he eventually moves out to uh, to Las Vegas to what, you know, what people, what he, what I believe he claims is that he, you know, he went to MIT, or not MIT, sorry, he went to Caltech, and, uh, and out there, you know, he, and this is right after high school, you know, he had friends, um, that, uh, that were mentioned in the, in the film, um, I, I can't remember his names, um, Richard, maybe, something like that, but either way, he was, he would drop Bob off at Caltech, you know, and, uh, and so obviously, you know, Bob, and then they had another friend that would be picking, that would pick him up, you know, at the library, at Cal, from the library at Caltech, so, you know, Bob seemed to, to be, you know, going to, you know, Caltech, for sure, and uh, he also claimed that, you know, he went to MIT, and I think he might have done that, you know, shortly after, and um, after, you know, get maybe perhaps getting just a bachelor's degree or something at, uh, at Caltech, but, uh, he, you know, so so he did have an education, and he clearly has some type of understanding and knowledge um, of of propulsion. You know, whether that's just from being a young kid and being interested in it, but he has a, a really deeper understanding of propulsion systems, and he has a deeper understanding of how logically and you know, in a common sense way things work and how they operate. And uh, but uh, so, so you know, Bob, so he did all this, and he so he was out, you know, trying to apply for jobs, and, um, and I guess he got, uh, he, he went, and he got an, he had an interview, um, with, um, I, you know, I can't even remember quite who it was he had an interview with, um, but he had an, there was a name, I think his name was, um, it was Thigpen, Mike Thigpen, that's right, he uh, so yeah so he had he had an interview at this place called um, e- e- eg and G I think and it's like uh, some type of, of lab and um, and he got interviewed out there for for his job at S four um, but prior to that he was working at Los Alamos National Laboratories which and and I had you know sort of I had kind of discredited Bob in my last video because um, there was some information from sort of sub- some conspiracy debunkers that uh, Bob was you know going to a, an electronics you know class or something that he had signed up in which you know sure it could have been Bob was extremely interested in all that stuff but uh, you know was it even the same person you know was that guy's information correct I don't know um, but you know in the film you know Bob is talking about and, and this is in old, older interviews and things like that um, with George Knapp who I'll get into here shortly but so before that, you know, Bob was working at Los Alamos, and, um, and there are phone book records of, uh, of uh, phone directory, you know, records with Bob's name and number um, in them, and, uh, and George Knapp, I believe even there's, a, there's an interview with, with, um, with Bob at Los Alamos, and, uh, and Bob was giving him sort of a tour, I think, of, of the lab. Um, and my buddy Scott, you know, brought that up to me, and he was like, oh, you know, don't, don't forget about that. So I was like, oh, yeah, I have to remember that. And um, so, that, you know, that, that, that's out there, you know. That, so Bob, you know, Bob definitely had been to Los Alamos, and he talks about um, some of the different projects he worked on there. And, um, and after working in Los Alamos, he, yeah, he got, like, this interview from, um, from this guy Mike Thigpen from EG&G. Um, to work there and uh, and basically he and he was saying that you know the the navy was running all this running on this whole show and so from this point forward you know bob was like oh okay well I'm you know I'm a contractor at this point you know a contractor for the navy so this guy's you know and he's given his interview and and uh, and I believe Jeremy in the film Jeremy contacts um Mike uh, Mike Thickpen, and he finds out that he, and he does remember interviewing Jeremy, or he does, sorry, he does remember interviewing Bob, and, uh, and so this is all back in, um, in the late eight, and this is back in 89, I believe, or 80, 80, either 87 or 89, I can't remember which, but, um, so Bob was working, you know, at, at S4 at, at this time, at, at Area 51, and, um, and he was employed there, and he was being picked up uh, with other colleagues um, uh, in a bus, and he was taken. They were taken to Area Fifty One, and, and then taken from, from the bus to uh, to S Four with them. Um, and, and this bus had like blacked out windows, you know. That he says, and um, so the, or, you know, so he's working. You know, he's he's working, and he's being briefed. He's given uh, you know, one hundred and I think he says one hundred and twenty one um, different briefing documents all on this entire subject, and Bob comes in thinking, you know, oh, you know, I'm just coming in sort of as a, you know, this, this, um, you know, sort of a, as a newbie, really, and he, he isn't expecting that, uh, and, he, and he did fine, you know, and he says that, that uh, back then, you know, he didn't really, he wasn't really understanding why, You know, the government would choose, would choose him, you know, for this type of position, and, uh, and when he was being interviewed, this is something I wanted to mention, when he was being interviewed by Mike, they were, they they were super, and, and at Los Alamos, uh, when he was being interviewed for his job at Los Alamos, they were extremely interested in the things that Bob did in his spare time, um, like working on the, his, his jet bike, and working on jet cars, and, um, jet propulsions he had a particle accelerator that he had built in his own bedroom and um and so he, he talks about you know these things that he had these interviews with people and they asked him these strange questions you know why, why do they need to know that but but it clearly you know it was it, it's to me it's evidence enough to to support that you know the government wouldn't want you know some big hot shot you know um guy out of Harvard that's in there, you know, or out of Caltech, they wouldn't want some big guy that's a, a theoretical physicist or something like that. They would want this, uh, this quiet sort of nobody guy that is just a, a an amateur geek in his garage. And, um, so that really just fascinates the the whole story and, and propels it even further. And, um, and so Bob's being, you know, he's being assigned, you know, with a colleague, um, he, it's he calls it the buddy system there was this buddy system they had and uh and so you know while he's working at s4 he's got he's got his buddy with him and uh, they you know they've shared lots of information things they've seen but they don't talk to anybody else and uh, and Bob bob even says you know as soon, as soon as you start working there you know a lot of the uh, higher ups and superiors are, are constantly you know yelling and demanding um, and he says in a rhythmic sort of way sort of to to possibly to sort of brainwash, um, you know, employees and things like that, and, uh, so that, that there is just kind of interesting that Bob even says that, and, um, but he's, so he's working here, and he's got his buddy, and, and he, he, Bob talks about, um, in the film, you know, having seen and walked by, you know, a window, and, and seeing some guys in lab coats, you know, looking at, um, a seat, you know, looking in a seat, and at the time, you know, back in the day, Bob thought, you know, possibly that they were, like, talking and looking at an alien, like, you know, but he only saw through this little window, but now, now Bob says, you know, they were probably just looking at, you know, a seat, you know, one of the seats out of the, uh, out of one of the craft, and they were looking down, so I was so small, and, the, but, uh, but Bob only got, you know, a little look through a window, so Bob had all kinds of different weird experiences there, and that he, uh, you know, he, he never overheard, stories about aliens you know nobody ever said anything about living live aliens ever Um, but that they had a nickname for aliens and they called them the kids and um, and i'm guessing this is in reference to the the small seats that were found in in the craft and and when bob said that you know my heart kind of dropped and i was like wow the kids they had a nickname, and Bob, you know, Bob, there's no way, he's just lying, you know, there's no way Bob is just making this stuff up as he goes, there's no way, why, why would Bob, and he says, you know, he says it all the time, why would I make this up, like, you know, he, he says even, you know, I could probably make up a better lie, even, so, you know, but, uh, Bob, there's no way he's lying, there's no way, but he works, so he's working there, you know, and he's, um, he's asked to be he's sort of he's the propulsions guy you know that's what his uh fascination is that's what his hobby is is propulsions and so they're asking him to to back engineer the propulsion systems of of these craft that they have in this hangar and um and in the hangar like i've told talked to you guys about about before there are nine you know sort of um craft in these hangars and this hangar is, is 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 um and the locations, you know, the location of, of Area Fifty One, and, and uh, it's in, you know, it's in Nevada. It's in the desert, um, right by uh, Groom Lake, Groom Lake, and so basically south a few miles south of Groom Lake is another dry, and these are dry bed lakes. There's no water, and um, so south of it is, um, this is all desert. You know, this is where this is where nuclear testing was done during the Cold War, during World War Two, and uh, things like that. You know, this was. Uh, bomb site you know, this is the middle of nowhere the desert and um so they go you know miles south of area 51 of groom lake to papoose lake and papoose lake there is you know this little mountain range on the side of this mountain range is where this installation is and um and actually to make your guys's hearts sink maybe a little further um, if the sort of kids uh, nickname there that bob had didn't you know like it did me they, George Knapp, um, or maybe it was Jeremy. No, it was George. Um, it was George Knapp. He he actually had called up um, Nellis Air Force Base, and he asked them if S four was a real place, and they said yes. So there's evidence there that this place is real, proving Bob's you know story. But this is this is back in the late 80s when all this came out, you know, so, and George Knapp has found all this stuff out before, you know, or later, later, you know, earlier, you know, recently, sort of, and, uh, but so Bob's, you know, reverse engineering these craft, and he figures out how they work, that they're, you know, anti-matter reactors, and that they work off of an element, uh, 115, and he, he figures out all this stuff, um, and he, he understands you know how all this stuff works and, and and it's so interesting and he talks about how you know he didn't care about what the environment was like that you know it was like being a kid in a candy shop and you know you just wanted to to go back and get more basically you know he you know he, he was he said you know you just you just didn't care what people said or, or you know how people treated how your superiors treated you you wanted to go back and work on the UFOs you know so. Bob just he just makes his story so freaking compelling it's it's so weird and guys we need to focus on this this is this is the crazy thing about it um but uh, so so Bob's you know he's working here okay i sorry guys I keep saying this but he um so he he reverse engineers the craft and he figures all this stuff out but he um and I'm sorry, I'm just trying to like I'm trying to remember everything about the about the movie. And I did I did watch it twice, but uh so and, and this is this is all probably right before um right before he came out with this information. He had basically you know, he'd real he had learned you know when the schedule was that they were test flying these craft and uh, and so he had taken buddies out. It was on a Wednesday, and he'd taken some buddies out to to see him, and they got this stuff on tape, and uh, and they show a little clip of it, um, in the movie, but uh, they they're you know they're 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 witnessing a test flight of these weird um, alien craft on this on this Wednesday night, but they are found out, they are caught, and Bob is basically threatened his you know his job, his life, um, and and everything, and uh, so at that point you know Bob's like oh my god you know he's kind of freaking out. And uh, after doing all this work, he he you know he he decides that it's in his best interest that that the public needs to know about this. That he and, and that is something that fascinates Bob is that he doesn't understand why uh, the government hides you know this big this big why it makes why they make it a secret. And his superiors even say to him you know that this is the easiest secret to keep because nobody truly will believe it. So that says to me that it definitely is freaking real. wake up, people, you know, you're, it's hiding in plain sight, and they're, and the government is laughing, because nobody's paying attention, it's all just conspiracy, but it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be real, there's gotta be more to it, there's gotta be, and, um, Spob's scared, and he goes to George Knapp, and he does an interview, has a, has this faceless character, Dennis, who actually is the name of one of his superiors, it turns out, which is I always thought was kind of interesting, and, um, but, so, he has the interview, and, and, with George Knapp, you know, George Knapp now, at this point, um, is interested in Bob's story, and Bob talks about, you know, the, the basics of what I just said, you know, he's, he's back-engineered these craft that they're there, and it's a crime against humanity not to tell these people, you know, and, um, it's something Bob talks about in the interview is that you know the government doesn't want to talk about this because it's all about power. Every everything is about power, and, and who controls the power. And so if you don't release your secrets, you know, you're the one in power, you know, truly. But um, <clears throat> you know, George Knapp now, you know, he he's he's caught on. He's caught on to Bob. And this is 1989. This is May 1989. And so from May to November. You know, George Knapp does this crazy, and George Knapp is an investigative journalist, reporter, whatever you want to call him, um, with the Las Vegas um, news station on Channel 8, and uh, and so George Knapp, you know, he does this story, and now he's, he's investigating Bob from May to November, and he, he, he hunts down all the information he possibly can, and, uh, and at the time, you know, he, he was looking into into Bob's life, into his credentials, and trying to understand whether or not it, it was it was real. And so Bob came up, you know, empty-handed, or not Bob, De, uh, George Knapp came up empty-handed all the time. You know, he, he nobody would, you know, nobody at Caltech, nobody at MIT, nobody, nobody knew of Bob. Bob didn't work at Los Alamos. Uh, they didn't know of him at e, E.G. and G. So. You know, but, but Bob's original interview, you know, it spread like wildfire, you know, for, um, you know, and for news back then, and that was in the absence of social media, you know, but that was, you know, and this broad, this was broadcast on all kinds of radio stations, and, uh, and they said it, in and, and it was on a, even a special aired in Japan, and the, in, uh, six different European countries, you know, this, this, Broadcast this was broadcast this this live uh, not live but um, this uh, interview with Dennis with Bob and uh, but, but and so oh, everybody's interested you know everybody's getting he's the focus is on Bob um, and but not on and, and it was on his credentials but not what Bob's story was you know people were so interested in figuring figuring out whether or not Bob was really telling the truth about who he was. And, um, but Bob, you know, he, like I had said in, in the last, in the intro episode to him, he, he was tested, you know, with polygraphs, with four different polygraphs. Um, and, uh, and his story was said to be truthful. And, uh, and the, uh, the polygraph guy, the, uh, examiner, um, uh, I'm trying to remember what, what the guy's, uh, name was, but he, he was like, a, he was a corporate intelligence investigator. Um, and so he, you know, he looked into, you know, basically fraud and corporate fraud, things like that. He was a retired, uh, Las Vegas police officer. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, you know, he took, he took Bob's results to verify that he was being truthful. And, uh, oh, and his name. His name was, uh, Ta- Tabernetti or something like that uh, was his last name, and uh, and so that that alone, you know, the, the polygraphs, the fact that that happened, that that proves a lot of Bob to me. That 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 definitely did, you know, actually, indeed, happen, and uh, it blows my mind. It really does, and so I think that needs to be. We really need to take careful attention and, and take a careful look at the fact that the polygraphs were done. You know, and we, and maybe even Bob needs to be polygraphed again. You know, I don't know. I know. Bob, Bob doesn't want to be in the limelight anymore. Bob doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to talk about it, but maybe that is what he needs. Um, but so, and they, you know, Bob, he talked about, and this was, um, or Bob's friend, Mario, you know, he was talking about Bob, uh, after Bob. Uh, this is where I left off, that, uh, that Bob was scared, you know, and, and that Bob did leave the, uh, S4, and that that was, you know, the best thing for him, and that his story was, was an insurance policy to help him, and Mario understood this, and Mario was his neighbor, uh, lived a couple blocks over, Mario was super interested in Bob, because he had a, a freaking jet-powered car, uh, like a dragster in his driveway, and so Mario and Bob actually became kind of, you know, friends, and, um, and after Bob left S4, after he quit and, uh, and let this information out, he was uh, threatened, you know, basically with a, by guns, you know, on the highway, uh, getting on the freeway. His tire was blown out. Um, and so since then, you know, Bob, pretty sure it was Bob, was carrying around a, an Uzi submachine gun. And so, you know, there's a video of him and Mario and they're out in the desert and they're shooting it and, and having a good time. And so, you know, Bob's just a normal guy, you know. He's just going out having a good time all the time. You know, that's what Bob does. And uh, and so in the in the wake of all this information, this limelight about Bob, after having worked at S4, you know, Bob was receiving a, probably a pretty good paycheck. Um, he, he basically... Um, went and this is the guys this is off the rails but bob was bob was running a prostitution ring basically um, was paying probably you know some women to 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 go out and probably you know get other women or he was paying men to go get to, i'm not sure what he was doing um exactly but he he was arrested and charged for it with it you know um and uh and so in and you know, the judge was basically looking up his background to to make the sentencing and uh, they couldn't find anything on it. the judge asked him, you know, his story. You know, who are you? Where'd you come from? What's going on? Because we can't find anything about you. And he tells the same exact story he tells the George Nat. And uh, and so at that point, you know, and and Bob was facing jail time because they didn't believe him. But I think George Knapp even helped by, by you know, calling them up and, and basically being like, look, I've got this information, you know, Bob is, and he's just a normal guy, you know, there's no reason, you know, he doesn't need to go to jail, but this story is true, you know, this is real. And, um, but so, so Bob and his prostitution ring actually helped, uh, prove his story even more. And guys, this whole episode is just going to be about proving Bob's story, basically, you know? So Bob... He has all kinds he's he's done all kinds of things that have granted us proof and and this is a big one you know the the courts couldn't find out who bob was to to determine his sentencing but uh so bob was gift you know given parole and um and um i think you know some fines things like that but uh he so after you know after that um you know, Bob, you know, definitely was, was talking with George Knapp and they went in for for Bob's second interview where Bob talked more in-depthly about uh, all kinds of things from these hand scanners, which Jeremy actually was able to dig up and find um, online from like a Ellis Air Force Base, you know, image directory type of thing uh these hand scanners that bob actually used to get into s4 and he describes them back in nineteen eighty nine about how how he used them and they had these little uh little little pins or whatever that uh, that you put your hand on and that there's a little light that shined down and that it measured you know your, your bones or something like that and that everybody's bones length and density or something was extremely unique. And so that was it was a type of biometric that they had back in the 1980s. There at S four, and uh, and Jeremy found a, a an article recently, you know, or a post or whatever, a picture from recently that was uh, that was added about these hand scanners. So they are indeed freaking real, and um, so in this interview with with Knapp, the second one, he's he's talked about the hand scanners. He's he's talked about the propulsion and how it works, and um, he he goes on to even tell. Uh, tell George, you know, like that this, this stuff is only for insurance. You know, I, I don't want this to be my life. Like I'm only doing this so that I'm not, nobody's going to try to kill me because this, this information is out there. You know, there's no point to kill me anymore. uh, Basically. But, uh, and so, you know, after, after, after his interview, after getting all this information out, you guys can watch all this stuff on YouTube. You can find all kinds of stuff. Um, about uh, and you can even watch a free, free video presentation of this movie with Jeremy Corbell where he does basically commentary. Um, and it's it's the same length even um, as the film, so maybe even go check that out. But um, it, it's it, it's interesting because where Bob is today is so different from where Bob was then. You know, he was just a young guy. Uh, Looking to have fun and looking to to live life and was caught up in this crazy thing, you know, this crazy, crazy life that uh, that the government was basically trying to get him into, you know, with the briefings, you know, giving him all those briefings, basically just trying to put him deep as deep as he can get, you know, before he can. And then he can't even get out. And Bob said that they were trying to with all these briefings, you know, that he was going through that they were trying to bring him up to a a majestic clearance and, uh, and then the conspiracy of majestic 12 was brought out in 1984. So it is something interesting. that I don't know why Bob said it, you know, maybe he was just trying to invoke, you know, sort of, um, public eye towards him, you know, with the conspiracy of, of, uh, majestic 12. But, you know, he says that that's what his security clearance, you know, was, was, was majestic. And, um, so that, you know, that that right there is just an interesting fact, you know, that he that he talks about in this interview. But uh but his life now is in in that interview, but his life now is so it's so different. So different. And uh you know, he works in a lab, his own company, United Nuclear out of Michigan, where he lives with his wife Joy, and uh and Joy says an interesting thing about him. Um and she says the biggest thing that people needed to know is that, you know, Bob, like, is the honest, most honest guy, like, he doesn't freaking lie, and that, like, people, people are, just jump to conclusions, and, and they just point their finger in the direction of Bob being a liar, you know, and they don't even know him, and she's so right, she is so right, and, uh, and so, you know, you know, Bob's wife's got his back, and, um, you know, I'm not, I'm unsure about Bob's employees, but Bob has employees there at his store. Um, a guy named Zach, and he's in the movie, and he talk He does uh, quite a bit of of you know sort of commentary about Bob's life, and he talks about Bob, and he seems to be pretty kind of inspired by him. You know, Bob's always doing new things and wants to try something new. And there's no orders to fill. Um, but uh, so things sort of get weird though, um, here as Bob's gotten older, and he he starts he begins to get raided um, his little lab you know gets raided by the FBI and um, a bunch of agents from uh, like, maybe even the, I'm not sure what he said the CIA or something but the FBI definitely and um, and they were investigating his lab and, and they were looking for uh, a receipt basically of an order for some toxic material but um, lo and behold this is what happened you know him and Jeremy were having a conversation. Uh, Looks like in the woods, um, and they show this in the film. Um, and Jeremy asked Bob, and I think Bob even brought it up to him that he wanted to get something maybe off his chest, uh, or no, it was he, Bob wanted to talk about the, the raid. Um, but so Bob gets raided, and they and this is this is after him and Jeremy have this conversation about Bob possibly having slipped out some of the element 115 that was used to power the craft. And, uh, so he, his offices, you know, they get raided and, uh, and there's his employees talk about it. His wife talks about it. And there's newspaper articles and, um, that's something else too, guys. There's, there's tons of newspaper articles about Bob tons. There's a newspaper articles from Los Alamos talking about Bob in them. Talking about how he loves jet propulsion, and that that's his hobby. Um, and so you know the, there are there are numerous articles about Bob, and there there are articles about the raid um, on his lab, on his lab business on his business, his uh, store. And guys, that's just wrong, you know to begin with, not only, you know, they're prying into his private life and they're giving him little to no information, you know um, his him and his wife actually had their house raided by the SWAT team. Um and Bob believes it was all in just an effort to to find this element possibly that that they think he he has and um, and when they raided his home, they actually said and referenced the conversation that him and Jeremy had and uh, and that blew his mind and um, that is sort of the start of the film and how how it begins. so it is pretty 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 neat to see uh, the movie kind of come full circle the way he does it, but uh, so yeah, you know, Bob's been raided by the FBI, so clearly, you know, he's kind of wanted in a way, you know, there are people are are actually interested, you know, that the government is still interested in him. And uh, I think Jeremy, you know, and George and, and Bob kind of all agree that that the government's just probably trying to keep him on his toes, trying to show him and prove to him that uh, you know, they're still watching him, you know, that they he you know, he is still on their shit list. Um I hope, you know, Bob doesn't have to live in fear for long, and, and I really hope that I'll be able to one day uh, visit his store, uh, possibly buy a sample of, you know, beryllium or something from him, um, I don't know, you know, I would love to meet him, I would love to talk to him, and he's getting up there in age, and I need to definitely do it soon if I'm gonna do it, and, um, you know, Bob, I highly doubt your you're a listener, or you're a listener or, you know, avid listener of podcasts or anything, but... If for some reason you hear this, you know, I would love to talk to you. Um, but, uh, but guys, you know, this, this episode is, is just geared to really push Bob's story um, on you guys. You you need to understand that, that Bob's credentials have been erased, you know, but that there is plenty of evidence to prove Bob's story, to prove Bob's credentials, to show that Bob actually went um, to these schools that he worked there, uh, at Los Alamos, and and um, the, these are important details. Um, and but you know, Bob even says, you know, that these that those details aren't that important, you know, but uh, I think they kind of are, in, in my opinion. But uh, Bob is right, you know, that it is it is a crime against humanity to, to keep this technology, you know, and Bob even says, you know, this. This stuff could change the course of humanity forever. I mean, forever, and uh, and overnight, even it could change the course of humanity. And uh, so he, he, Bob is just he. He's a very, he's an intricate man. You know, he is obviously very smart, in my opinion. He's clearly a scientist. I mean, Jeremy sits there and watches him as he heats up like a little gram of, uh, you know, of some type of of element or chemical or something with, with a torch. I mean, he's clearly a scientist. He makes fireworks, you know, also in his spare time for a living. He's been doing that for 20 years. And then he was doing that when he was a kid, even, you know, Bob is a, is a science nerd. And, uh, what a better person for the government to hire, to figure out and to back engine engineer propulsion systems on spacecraft that they had found. Um, or had been gifted, you know, and Bob never really figured out. And there's a lot of information that Bob is asked to, you know, divulge that Bob doesn't know. And he says that, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. But the information he does know, he will tell you and he will tell you it all the time. And it was, it will always be the same information. He's never diverted his story in any way. And, um, you know if anything he's kind of added to it in many ways and especially J- Jeremy has added substantial amount of just uh credibility to Bob's story by finding all this finding out all this information and uh and bringing it to light and and, and actually proving it and uh, so I give him great kudos for this movie um but but guys I wanted to point out just a couple more things about um, about this story the the interesting thing, then this is sort of the deeper meaning about this, is that Bob never, he doesn't care about the story. He doesn't care about what he did there, what he worked on. He doesn't care about aliens. The deeper meaning is science to him. The science of it. The fact that it's being withheld. It, it, it could revolutionize our society and and it's all in an effort to just maintain power and uh, it leads me to believe even more you know that we are trapped in, in a loop of of this society and, and it's just being driven constantly, constantly with no end, no end at all. And all the money and all the glory just trickles down to the one percenters. I don't know, guys. We live in very interesting times. You know, this, this, the entire, um, everything, you know, about, about Bob has, has blown up all of the news stories, all the, uh, it was the highest rated, you know, news special, the, the second release of his, uh, of his interview, you know, that, that was huge so this is big stuff, and it has always been big stuff. And um, I hope that it continues to grow, and that it continues to gain popularity. And I hope more people see the film, and I hope more people get interested in Bob, and especially younger generations. Uh, you know, younger generations especially need to understand that, that Bob was um, was an icon back in the day, and that he, he really still is, and uh, and that his story is what we need to st- we need to bring it to life. And I know I can't do it by myself. There's no way. Jeremy's done all he can, that's for sure. And I'm sure it, take him, it took him a lot of energy and a lot of money to do what he did. How do we just talk about it? Well, the best way is with a podcast, I guess. But, uh, so guys, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot more to uh, to say about Bob. I'll look here over over some of my notes but uh you know there is one question though that that I would what I that I would ask Bob you know and it's why hasn't he ever made an anti-gravity device of his own I mean I'm sure that he would say um you know oh well, cuz I need the element 115 and uh and, and bob talks about the process of how to make you know how they would have to make the element 115 and, and how it would work and what it would what the actual uh piece looked like that powered the the craft and that it had to be especially lathe and especially machined just to um just to work the machine properly so you know it, it's it's tough, you know, for him to even say that. But, but it, it interests me that he wouldn't, you know, try to figure out something, build half of it. You know, why hasn't he done that? You know, something though that, that maybe, is part of the problem here. You know, and Bob talks about this, uh, this atomic, chemistry set that uh, back in the '50s they made for kids, that he actually played with radioactive materials. But that the radioactive materials, Bob said, they were safe. They were completely safe. But in the wake of the aftermath of like Hiroshima with radiation, things like that, they they don't they they it's now dubbed, you know, the, the most lethal toy that was ever created. You know, that but Bob said it wasn't. There was nothing about nothing about it was unsafe. It was just people that were scared. So maybe being maybe the all these people that are just scared of knowing this information, of understanding it, uh, of maybe it being reality, you know, maybe that is the real problem, and, and maybe, you know, that toy, that one toy was the start of this downward trend uh, of just dumbing down society, um, and this understanding of the universe, and our reality, how things work, chemistry, science, People were too scared to find out, like they're just too scared to buy, you know, their freaking children a freaking toy, but now, you know, we're 70 years later, and, you know, according to academia, you you, you can't even talk about science unless you have a freaking degree, otherwise you're just doing a disservice to yourself, because you don't know nothing, you know, that's stupid but, uh, I don't know, you know, there's another thing too that Bob said, you know, that sort of relates to that. He was talking about taking nuclear, you know, taking a nuclear, um, reactor, taking it back to the Victorian age and showing them, you know, how it worked and that, you know, they, they would be amazed, you know, oh, this thing puts out so much energy, you know, and it doesn't do anything, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't do anything. And, uh, and so they would be so interested that they would want to take it apart and figure out how it worked. But by taking it apart, they get to the radioactive core, and then everybody dies. You know, and then other people, and then Bob was like, you know, haha, whatever, people come in, and then, and then they die, you know, and then so on and so forth, and everybody dies. Now, I'm going to take it a step further. That reminds me of the story of the Ark of the Covenant, which... You know, in my opinion, was just some giant Tesla coil or some type of possibly advanced alien, you know, technology that was capable of emitting um, a, an extremely um, large, you know, pu- like a, a pulsed force field that, that would kill you if you were touching it or, or, or around it or whatever. So, you know, and that the Ark of the Covenant is said to be, you know, a, a, a biblical thing, you know, something from God. Um, but possibly maybe the Ark of the Covenant is just like Bob said, you know, just something that was given from the future to the past. Or in, in this case, you know, from a different planet to them. Just like, you know, we would be taking, you know, say we found a, a planet in a different solar system and we gave them. I don't know, a wheel, because they had never seen a wheel before, you know, they'd freak out, and they'd be like, wow, this is crazy, it's just wood, this is made of a tree, I can make it myself, you know, and then they would they would revolutionize their life, just like things have revolutionized all kinds of people's lives, like the Ark of the Covenant, I mean, that alone, you know, it scared people into really believing wholeheartedly, you know, that, that this thing was 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 real, you know, holy crap. You know, it will kill you if you're not a believer, but, um, so I don't know. There's a lot of things that you can kind of correlate with Bob's story to, um, to our ancient past and, uh, things that I'm not sure that, you know, maybe he would have even have thought about or even have talked about, or maybe things he doesn't know about. Um, but I don't know. This is all for you guys to think about. All I can say at the end of the day is, I don't know. You know, this is like one of my favorite words because I really, truly don't do any of us, you know, unless Bob and and unless it becomes a, an, an actual, you know, ground belief in every public domain, do we know for sure? Do we know for sure that aliens truly exist? Do we know for sure that their technology is actually here, that the government has worked on it? Do we know that other civilizations are out there? Do we know what the future will be like? You know, have they been helping us along the way? You know, all of these questions, all of these quote-unquote conspiracies, they all kind of, they need to be answered in order for people to see the truth and to understand and to feel better, to get over it. the problem is now is i I agree people are too scared they just don't want to believe it they don't want to they'd rather believe uh they'd rather and this is something his mom said you know that it that for people it's easier to not believe something that something that there is something out there than to believe it and 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 basically have questions and coming from an old person bob's mom you know the we can't be the only things in the universe. I totally agree, Phyllis. I totally agree. We can't be. So I, I personally, I, I, I believe Bob's story. I believe everything about it. I believe Bob's telling the truth and I believe the government is absolutely doing that. And one day, I'm going to go talk to Bob and I'm going to figure out How I can see S4. I'm going to figure that out. I'm going to figure out what's in there. Somehow. I'm coming for you guys. I'm telling you. I'm going to figure this out. Because I am so interested. And we all need to be more interested. Seriously. Um, That's what Deeper Meaning Time is all about you guys. It's about exploring. The endless. Possibilities. The endless curiosities. We all have every day and discovering all the deeper meanings time has to offer. Guys, thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed learning more about Bob Lazar, and I hope this gave you a more in-depth view and really uh, showed you all of the proof that is out there about Bob. There is so much more to be discussed. So much more. And uh, and I'm going gonna, gonna to have a whole video. Um, video. Gosh, I said Video. I'm gonna have a whole episode about uh, about other people that are working in the UFO community. People like uh, Tom DeLong, who is running the To the Stars, um, you know, institute little educational thing. I I don't really don't think it's taken off. I don't think it's he's done anything with it. I may have even just been a front to to make money. I'm not sure. I don't know a whole lot about it. But he did have a lot of interesting things to say, and I've uh, had a lot of um, interesting conversations with other people that, um, about Tom. And I've, I've read a lot about Tom and I've read about the things he's working on. And, uh, it, it is something that I want to discuss and I want to discuss Dr. Stephen Greer's, uh, CSETI Institute, because I think it's important to talk about. And, uh, so we'll get into more things definitely, um, here in future episodes. So guys stay tuned. Um, and if you enjoyed it, please head over to my website, comment, like, share, um, and subscribe on Anchor, please, you know, definitely use Anchor, um, it's one of my favorite places, um, and I want to bring people over, but, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, anywhere is fine, podcasts are a great part of everybody's lives, and I think we need to really push them further, so guys, definitely support me, support this show, support others around that, uh, do shows just like this, and, uh, shows that are your favorite, you know, support helps you go. So thanks guys, my name is Evan and thanks for listening.